This is Patrick Mayo. I just wanted to share briefly on a message entitled How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And I'd like us to look at a text that's where I'll be sharing from, preaching or teaching from. It's from the book of John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 3 from verse 1 to 21. I'll be reading in two different versions of the Bible. I'll read using the King James Version, which uh, is, an, is, 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 is an old translation, 400 years old to be exact. It was published in the year 1611. The English in the King James is actually a cake. It's Shakespeare English, so it's usually hard for many people. For that reason, I'll also use the NLT, the New Living Translation, which was first translated in 96, I believe. Uh, but the translation I'm using was revised in 2004. So it's a very good contemporary version of the Bible. And I'll begin. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. I'll continue with the NLT from verse 7. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, other versions say that his begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it. For fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. So the message again is titled, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You know, the statistics right now, the demographics of the world is that we have 7.7 billion. It's projected that at the end of 2020, it will be 7.8 billion people in, in the world. And of that demographic, 30% confess to be Christians. And now amongst that 30%, which is about 2.3 to 2.6 billion people on earth, how many can say that they are truly born again? You see, my friend, salvation or being born again does not just come because you say you're a Christian. Anybody can say they're a Christian. Many times we think that um, people are Christians because they have been baptized. Baptism is not salvation. Baptism basically is a reflection of what has already happened on the inside. In the book of Acts, we see that when people made profession or confession of Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, they will call people so that as they are being baptized, it was an image, Romans chapter 6 from verse 1 to 11, that you are being baptized into death, that like as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, so you should be risen again to the glory of the Father. So that's why it says that, Likewise, you should reckon yourself also, that is if you have been born again and baptized in water. Likewise, reckon yourself also to be dead indeed unto sin, unto sin sorry, but alive unto God through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So baptism is not just being having some religious figure, maybe a priest or a vicar or a pastor put you in water or sprinkle you with water. There is nowhere in the Bible that you can see that baptism is a replacement of salvation. So baptism is not is not salvation. Salvation of being born again, being a Christian doesn't come just because you have the name John or the name, you know, Matthew. These are Christian names or the name uh, Mary or Joanna. These are names found in the Bible. But we do know that Judas Iscariot, the name Judas, the Hebrew uh, word, it's, it's derived from the Hebrew name Yehuda. And Yehuda is basically Judah. So he was actually named after one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, by virtue of that name, does it mean now he's in heaven, having, you know, uh, betrayed Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver, which is the price of a slave, by the way, and ending his own life? He could have repented and turned back to God just like Peter did. The apostle Peter denied Jesus three times. Was, he, did, he did three times what, what Judas did, but when he returned back to and repented, he was, he was um, forgiven. And now we know the apostle Peter as being the great the great, great apostle, the leader of the early church. But you get what I'm saying. Having a Christian name doesn't make you a Christian. Going to church every day, it does not make you a Christian. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. And as you can see, he comes, and the, the Bible clearly says that he was a Pharisee. Now, who are Pharisees? 2,000 years ago, in Israel, present-day Israel now, they were under the they were they were they were actually being colonized by the Romans and before the Romans came the Greeks had conquered the world the Macedonians specifically through Alexander the Great and because of his conquests he had taken Greek culture all over the world and the Greek culture is basically called Hellenistic culture Hellenism so Hellenism was rapidly spreading just like you'd say today the American culture has permeated literally the whole world and so because of Hellenism spreading everywhere, there were a group of devout Jews who vowed that they will try their utmost best to uphold the law that God gave to Moses. You see, the Jews were called specifically from apart from the whole world. They were given the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. And they did not want, the Pharisees did not want the, the Jews to lose their identity. We see it in the book of Nehemiah. Some of the Jews could not even speak the Hebrew language. I mean, they, they had really been mixed up with the, with, the, with, the, with the surrounding nations. So during the spread of Hellenism, this sect of the Pharisees came up. And then you had the Sadducees. The Sadducees basically believed what the Pharisees believed, although they had a few differences in, 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 the, in, their, in their doctrines, minor, minor differences. But the Sadducees were fewer because they were actually made up of the priestly class, the high priest, his family, and all the other Levites. So the Pharisees were basically self-appointed because we know in the in the in the in the in the in the, in the law that God only gave the the keeping of the law to the Levites and the priests. The Pharisees were actually not appointed by anybody. They were actually self-appointed, zealous religious Jews who were trying to uphold the law of Moses and to limit the spread of Hellenism in, 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 in amongst the Jews in Israel. In fact, it's important to note that the northern part of Israel, where Jesus was from, because he's, he's, he's from Nazareth, he's a Galilean, was actually more Hellenistic compared to the south. The south is where you have Judah uh, and Jerusalem. That's where the temple was, the center of religious and Jewish worship. 
So when this guy comes to Jesus, he's a Pharisee. Pharisees were masters of the law. You see Jesus tells him, how can you not know these things? Yet you are a master, you are a teacher of the law. You, 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 you have memorized, they would memorize scripture from the age of seven. In fact, they memorize the first five books. Can you imagine when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, he has memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. <laughs> Let me ask you, how many chapters of the Bible have you had memorized, let alone books? So this is somebody who has invested his time, his zeal. We see the Apostle Paul talking about this in Philippians chapter 3. He says that I am a Pharisee. In the book of Acts when he's defending himself before, I, I believe it's Felix and King Agrippa. He says that I am a Pharisee. You know, I was, in fact, he says, I was more zealous than all my equals. In fact, the Apostle Paul was trained by Gamaliel, one of the most famous uh, rabbis of all time. So, being a Pharisee meant that you had to give yourself entirely to the keeping of the law. They knew the law, they tithe. You remember the Pharisee, when Jesus was given the uh, parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, and, and that specific uh, parable was being spoken to those who would consider themselves to be, you know, proud because of their religious heritage. Heritage, and when the tax that's that's found in Luke chapter eighteen from verse nine to fourteen, and it says that two men went up to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood up and he prayed. You can imagine his chest. You know, he was puffed up in his chest. You know, and you know, just so proud, and he was telling God. Uh, you know, I thank you that I'm not like other men are. Uh, I fast twice in the week. Can you imagine? Pharisees would fast twice in the week. He gives tithes of all they possess, of, that I possess. You read this in Matthew 23 where Jesus is rebuking them. He says, you tithe even to the mint, to the herbs. I mean, people complain of how tithe, people tithe today in church. <laughs> I don't know how you blast. Because those guys were, I mean, they would tithe literally everything to the last cent. And um, as he's praising himself before God, he says, I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. Then he looks at the Pharisee, the tax collector, he tells God, I thank you, I'm not like this publican, this tax collector. And God says, you know, and Jesus says, the, the, Pharisee, the, the, the tax collector, sorry, he beat upon his chest, he could not even look up. And he says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Lord Jesus says that, I tell you, it is a tax collector who was justified before God, other compared to this Pharisee. Then he says, Whosoever shall humble himself shall be exalted, but he who exalts himself shall be brought low. So the moment you start to think your religious identity is what will give you salvation, my friend, you have deceived yourself. You will be completely shocked and really I mean, disillusion at the end of your life because you realize all this religion has done nothing for me. So whether you are a Christian by name, whether you go to church, whether you have been baptized as an infant or you had some water poured on you or you are really baptized in a, in, in a pool or whatever body of water, that does not guarantee your salvation. There is only one way man can be born, can be saved. That is through becoming born again. Having your nature completely transformed and changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many scholars say that Nicodemus was probably around the age of 70. So he comes to Jesus at night because he didn't, no one wants to, he didn't, he didn't want to be associated with Jesus. 
and he starts praising Jesus. He tells him, Rabbi, we know who you are. I mean, we can see the miracles. The blind are seeing. The, the, the dead are being raised. The lame are walking. The deaf and the, are, are, are receiving their hearing. The dumb are speaking. But Jesus tells him, you know, Jesus changed the topic immediately. If you notice, as he tells his response is, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Now, this word, verily, verily, sometimes you can read that. And because of the, you know, the way we are raised up today, we don't understand these terms. And verily, verily, today would, would be, would, would equate to saying this. I swear to say nothing but the truth by the whole truth. So help me God. It's, it's, it's the way somebody would swear when they are lifting up the Bible in court to give a testimony. You understand? So when he says verily, verily, Jesus is saying, I am banking this on my life, on everything that I know. He says, verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus is basically telling him, all this religion you have had and you have done, all these good works that you think you have, you think that you're a good person, it is all nothing compared to being born again. And that's why the writer of Hebrews chapter 2 says, verse, verse, verses, verses 2, I'll read Hebrews chapter 2 from verse 1, sorry, to verse 3. It says, therefore we ought to give the more honest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them, let them sleep. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, that is the law, Moses was given the law by angels, we know that. And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. I mean, we see throughout the Old Testament how, I mean, God used to strike people dead on the spot. Now, look at what it says, verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? Who is the Lord? Jesus. He spoke it to Nicodemus. He spoke it to the Jews in Israel. And was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. That is the apostles. God bearing with them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So, and it's still happening today. God is still confirming his word with signs and wonders. I don't know if you've seen some, but I have seen, I have seen signs and wonders as I, as I preach the gospel, as I evangelize. I see God healing people. I see God filling people with the Holy Spirit until they begin to speak in an unknown tongue. We've seen people be delivered from, uh, from demonic powers and, and all the glory goes to Jesus for that. But he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And also Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you claim you're a religious teacher, but I tell you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. My friend, you see, there's a year that you have been born. Maybe you were born in the 1960s or 70s or 80s or 90s or in the 2000s or maybe you're even born in the 1940s or 30s i don't know whoever is listening i myself was born in the 1990s and i was born physically my mother gave birth to me but you see in the year 2011 i was born again i was born of the spirit and for a long time through religion through you know i, I grew up going to sunday school and all that through all that, I thought I was a Christian. I was neglecting so great salvation. You see, I embraced religion, but I neglected Christianity. And that's why, again, we go back to the demographics I was telling you. 30% of the world claim to be Christians. That's 2.3 that's to 2.6 billion people out of 7.7 .7 billion. And we are going to 7.8 billion. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Out of these 2.3 or 2.6 billion, which is 30% of the world, how many do you think really are born again Christians? 
The real question you should be asking yourself, my friend, is, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Are you sure now? Because if you are born again, you know it. No one needs to tell you. It's not, you know, sometimes the way we've watched Hollywood movies and cartoons, you think that when you die, you go up into a cloud and you play a harp or you stand before this big angel and you're checking if your name is in the book. No. Any person who needs to know after they are dead that they are born again, they're not a Christian. Because John says in 1 John chapter 3, I believe it's verse 14, he says, we know that you have passed from death to life. It's something that you know. Jesus said in John chapter 17 verse 3, and this is eternal life. Eternal life, my friend, is not dying and then you go and check whether your name is in the book of life or, you know, some people actually are agnostics, others are atheists. Atheists believe that when you die, I mean, there's nothing to eat, it's over. Agnostics, they're not sure. People from other religions have their own interpretations of the afterlife. But eternal life, according to the words of Jesus himself, is not when you die and then you have to, you know, guess and hope, hope let me just hope that my name if you have to hope that if you are hoping that someone you know you're holding your crossing your fingers and hoping my friend you're not born again if you're born again you know it from now i remember the night i got saved it was august 2011 and i got saved through the preaching of an american preacher on tv there is there is no earthly witness to my salvation but the devil was a witness to that he cast he was angry. I have lost another one. And heaven rejoiced. Hallelujah. I had joined the fold. My name was written in the Lamb's book of life. So Jesus said in John 17 verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you are sent. So the moment you become born again, you get into a relationship with God. That relationship was lost in the garden. God created man. Don't get it twisted. God created man and, and woman. Adam and Eve. He put them in the garden. He says everything. He saw that everything was good. Everything was perfect. There was no sickness. There was no curse. There was no death. There was no envy. There was perfect harmony relationship. There was no inferiority. There was no fear. There was no depression. All these negative thing that we see in the world, it was not there. But Adam and Eve were deceived and God had told them, he told them, if you eat, you can eat from any tree. You know, some people would ask, why did God not just make, why did he have to put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, you see, God is a God of free will. If he would have wanted, he would have just made robots of Adam and Eve and they never would have eaten the fruit. But because God is a God of free will, he had to put that tree in the middle of the garden. He told them, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And of course, as we know, they ate it. But you see Adam and Eve falling down and dying physically. No, something changed. They were chased out of the garden. God put flaming cherubim with swords, flaming swords to protect the garden from anyone entering and accessing it and of course the garden was destroyed during the flood so whoever is asking where is why can't we find the garden today it was this it was the the, the the flood the great flood rearranged the world yeah that's another story for another day but they 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 they, 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 they died spiritually you see their relationship with god was cut off god is a spirit john 4 24 and in Genesis chapter 6 verse 3, we see that the Bible says that this, the sin of man continually continued to become so much so that God says, I will take my spirit away from man. His days shall be cut off to only 120. So we see spiritual death is confirmed in that 
no one really has lived past 120 maybe there are maybe one or two i don't i doubt it but today whenever we hear the oldest person in the world they are always between 110 to 115 there 116 118 so it's a clear indication that really we are really we really died spiritually and so some would ask why then does he have to punish us why then do we have to die physically because god is a good judge a good judge punishes sin Now imagine my friend if somebody came to your house and stole your things and god forbid let's say they defiled you know they raped your sister and that person was taken to court and then the god the, the uh, when you're in court the judge says oh I'm a good judge you know so because I'm a good ju- judge I have compassion on this thief and rapist so I'll release him what would you say you would be up in arms you would, I mean there would be a public outcry you remember the 94 I believe it was the 94 OJ Simpson trial I won't get into that. There was a lot of apro from both sides. Some were saying he's guilty, others were saying I don't I'm not I, I don't ask me. But you can see how people were angry at the judges. That's what I'm trying to show you that if a good judge does not let a criminal go free. So, why should the standards change with God? The Bible says that God is a judge. He's a judge of all the earth. which means that all judges all the judges who have taken bribes all the judges who have been good so called good they will all stand before god and they will be judged so why should we say that the finite you know human judge who make mistakes if they make a ruling which is considered not to be just we say that they are bad why should we hold a different standard with god if god was to release you because of your sins and, your, and the bible says that the wages of sin is death If God was to release you because he is a good and merciful God without punishing sin he would not be just and if he is not just then he's not a good judge if he's not a good judge then he can't claim to be holy do you understand and so now that's where Jesus Christ comes in the bible says the most important scripture in the bible i mean and it's it's, it's interesting that it's not taught so much this year it's it's amazing john 3:16 it says god so loved the world my friend he saw you you are on the on 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 you're standing there in court you are guilty of sin the bible says john romans 3:10 there is none righteous no not one romans 6:23 for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god that sorry that is romans 3:23 and then romans 6:23 says that the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord so imagine my friend you and i were both condemned to death but god so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to do what to die on the cross for your sin There's a very interesting scripture in the book of Judges uh, Deuteronomy chapter 21. I want us to read that very quickly. It shows you a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 21 pastor 3 says if a man commits a sin, he is worthy of de- worthy of death. He is to be put to death, hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you sh- you shall bury him that day. for is he that is hung hanged is a cast of god so the land will not be defiled which the lord your god gives you for an inheritance watch this it says if a man commits sin he is worthy of death we know that jesus christ died on the cross i mean even historians agree if you say if you say that didn't happen you're just lying to yourself 
he is to be put to death. He died a horrible death on, on the cross, crucifixion, crucifixion. And they to hang him on a tree. That's exactly what happened. Remember what Peter said in the book of First Peter. Look at this so beautiful. First Peter chapter 2. It says, um, let me read it quickly. First Peter chapter 2 from verse 21. For even here unto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who did not sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was revived, he revived not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself unto him that judgeth righteously, that's the Father, God the Father, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed, for you are a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So Jesus was put on the tree, you are the one who committed the sin, I was the one who committed the sin i was supposed to be hanged on the tree do you understand you were supposed to but jesus took your place he was hung we know he was crucified we know just like deuteronomy chapter 21 says his body did not stay overnight he was taken off the cross and they put him into the into into the tomb the tomb of joseph the, uh, of arimathea another pharisee and in fact nicodemus later we see that he helped joseph to transfer the body and they bought a lot of expensive spices so these pharisees later became christians so if there is any pharisee out there the hope is not gone you can become a christian paul the apostle was a pharisee and he became one of the greatest if not the greatest minister and christian the world has ever seen so he took your place second corinthians 5 21 says that he has made him jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us that he might be made the righteousness of God in him. So on that day, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, all the sins of eternity, past, present, and future, were poured into him. And because he became sin, and God is holy, God had to abandon Jesus. And that's why Jesus looked up and he says, Lama, is it? Is it? La, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabatani, which is Aramaic say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God forsook Jesus because Jesus had become sin. He carried the sins of the whole world. And so he died. Can you imagine? He shed his precious blood once and for all for our sins. Amen. And I don't know if you're listening to me right now. And you could be have grown up in religion. You could even be a minister. I, a friend of mine was telling me how one day he was in his 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 cousin was teaching a, a class and a, a theological class and the way he explained salvation. One one man just stood up and he said, "Hey, one preacher." He stood up. He said, "From what you've explained, I'm not a born again Christian. I'm not a Christian really because Christian comes from the word Christos, which is." Messiah or Messiah in Hebrew, which basically means anointed one. And Christian is a person who is Christ-like. That's why in the book of uh, Acts chapter 11, I believe it's from verse 19 to 27, talks about the saints at Antioch. That is uh, Peter, no, no, not Peter, Paul, Barnabas, and all the other saints. They were first called Christians. They were Christ-like. They look at them and they said, these people, they behave like that man who was crucified in Jerusalem, who claimed to have been the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah. So that's why they said they are Christian. So a true Christian is a visual representation of Jesus in the earth. 
So you understand what I'm saying? And how can you be a visual representation of Jesus if he has not come into your life? If you have not been changed from the inside out, it is impossible for you to try to be good. I mean, give up. I had to give up myself. You have to come to a place where you say, no matter how hard I try, James 3 verse 10 says that if you keep the whole law, yet you neglect one, you have offended in all. So imagine you keep the Ten Commandments all your life, then that one time you lie. That one time you steal. Just a small minor thing. It says that you have broken all of the commandments. There is no difference between you and a person who has murdered and caused riots and done this, shed blood. There is no difference. Because you say, how does that even make sense? Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my thoughts from your thoughts and my ways from your ways. So God's judicial system is not like the earthly one. Many times we'll think that, hey, a person who murders and a person who hates, the murderer is worse. But Jesus said, whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. Somebody would say, person who commits adultery is worse than a person who commits lust in his heart. But Jesus said, whosoever commits lust in his heart, he is no different from the one who commits adultery physically with a woman or with a man. So you have to ask yourself this question. If God's standards are so high, in fact, they are higher than the standards of the Moses, how can you be saved by doing good? It is impossible. So Jesus was telling Nicodemus that night, you cannot be saved by being a Pharisee. You cannot be saved by your nice tithe and fasting. No, you have to give up completely. You have to come to a place whereby you say, Hey, I am a sinner. How shall I escape if I neglect so great? You cannot escape, my friend, if you neglect so great salvation. Religion cannot save you. Going to church cannot save you. Being the child of a preacher, I used to use this, use this example so many times, uh, that you can be the child of a bishop and a reverend. And one day actually met somebody whose father is a bishop, his mother was a reverend, and he was not born again, and he was almost telling me, my father is a bishop, my mother is a reverend, and I'm not even a Christian. I had to be uh, experience Jesus for myself. That's another thing many people don't understand. Salvation cannot be inherited. You must be born again. It's a personal experience. It's a personal experience. I'm, I, the, uh, I believe it was 2018, I was in a public transportation, we call them Matatus in Kenya, and I was speaking to a young man, I mean I just started sharing the gospel with him, and he was telling me he's an agnostic. Now agnostic is somebody who believes maybe there's a God, maybe there's not, and no one can be certain. And he was telling me how his father, his grandfather, is a bishop, you know, a bishop of a church, but he is an agnostic. Just clearly shows you, you can't inherit salvation. You have to come to a place in time whereby you say, there is a day I decided to follow Jesus. I decided to take up my cross and follow him. I admitted, number one, what are the steps to salvation? Number one, admit that God, that you are a sinner, that you deserve death because of your sins and judgment. Number two, confess your sins to God. Number three, believe that Jesus Christ became a substitute. It's as simple as that. Do you know, do you, do you know that many people miss out on salvation because they understand, don't understand how simple it is? It's such a simple thing. It's, can you imagine? It's so simple. Just believe Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And the evidence of that is that now he's, he's not just Savior from your sins. Now he becomes the Lord of your life. Everything you do, you're doing to please and to honor him. 
Now, that is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why when you become born again, John 1, 12, as many as received him, to then give him the power, the Greek word there is dunamis, to become sons of God, children of God. That's the same word found in Acts 1, verse 8. You shall receive power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 says that you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise that day that you believe. I remember that night when I gave my life to the Lord. I remember that something in me changed. And all of a sudden I realized, hey, I don't know, uh, the, the drinking has to go. I used to drink alcohol. The smoking has to go. I used to smoke uh, uh, cigarettes. The smoking again has to go. I, used to, I was taking, I used to smoke weed. I realized all of a sudden the secular music has to go. The pornography has to go. I mean, it was just a complete change. Something in me changed on the inside. That is the Holy Spirit came in when I accepted Jesus. So it's not about trying to maintain. Oh, let me try to maintain to be a good person. And you, you know, we put on our masks. We go to church. We act so good. But a true Christian is who you are when no one is seen and God in heaven can see you. And my friend, it's not possible to please him without the blood of Jesus Christ. The moment you try to say, I am good before God. It's the most proud thing you can do. My friend, you cannot escape if you neglect so great salvation. Listen to what he says. If people died because they failed to keep the Moses, law of Moses, who was given the, 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 the Ten Commandments by angels, and he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken of by our Lord, that is the Lord Jesus. He spoke to Nicodemus. He's telling him, Nicodemus, you cannot escape if you neglect so great salvation. You must be born again. You have been born before of the flesh through your mother. But now you must be born again by the spirit of the living God. Remember, God is a spirit. All of a sudden, something on the inside changes. Your spirit man comes alive. And now you are a born again Christian. I can go on for so long. But I'd like to read the last text. How can I be saved? I'm sure as you're listening to this recording, you could feel the Spirit of God. God is tugging your heart, my friend. One of the big lies the devil tells people is that, oh, I can postpone this thing. No, no, no. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, For he says, I have had you in an accepted time, and in the day of salvation I have, I have, I have, I have chastened you. Behold, now! Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. My friend, this is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. Don't procrastinate it. We are told in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 14. Therefore he says, Awake now, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Christ can give you light. You who is listening to me right now. Christ can give you light. Romans chapter 13 verse 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the last thereof. How can I be saved right now, you are asking? You remember... 
the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost they were pricked in their hearts and they said men and brethren what must I do I know some of you right now asking what can I do to be saved well I'm directing you there I cannot save you there is only one person who can and that's Jesus the church cannot save you your denomination cannot save you no way no sir no religion only Jesus Hebrews 4.12 says there is sorry Acts 4.12 says there is no other name under heaven given whereby men must be saved only the name of Jesus only the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth there is no other name under heaven given whereby men must be saved there is only one name that saves Romans chapter 10 verses 8 it says in fact it says the message is very close at hand it is on your lips and in your heart and you must, some of you must be asking what do you mean and that message is the very message about faith that we preach Romans 10 verse 9 if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confession with the mouth that you are saved as the scripture says anyone who believes in him shall not be ashamed Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They are the same Lord who gives generously to all who call upon him. Then verse 13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't care what you have done, where you have been. I really don't care. First John 1 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friend, please don't neglect how shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation? It's not by works. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says that by grace alone we are saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is not of works, lest anyone should ever boast. Romans chapter 5, from verse 6-8 to says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for you in your sinful state. Just like he died for me in my sinful state. While you are yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And I'll give you the interpretation right now. If you want to be born again, if you want to be assured that you have eternal life, if you want to walk for the rest of your life in a personal and intimate relationship, becoming a true Christian, I'd like you to pray this prayer with me. And my friend, don't pray this prayer if you're not willing to lose everything. If following Jesus will mean that you have to break off relationships, then you can pray this prayer. If following Jesus will mean that you, even, you, can, you might even lose your job or your life or, a, or anything, the thing that we cherish so much, then this prayer is for you. Some pray this prayer and they accept Jesus and they lose everything. Others pray this prayer and they actually prosper even more. I don't know where you are in your life and what God has planned for your life, but I can assure you this. If you receive Jesus today, your life will change completely. You will be set free from the shackles of sin and shame so you can pray with me right now say lord jesus i have heard your word and i believe that you died on the cross for my sins thank you for loving me thank you lord for your great love
that you showed on the cross. But I know, Lord, that you rose from the grave after three days. Forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Every wrong thing I've said with my mouth. Every wrong thing I've done physically with my body. Every wrong thought I've put with my mind. Cleanse my whole spirit, soul, and body with your blood from all sin, iniquity, and unrighteousness, and every curse. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Seal me with your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. I love you. I receive forgiveness now and salvation now by faith alone. In Jesus' name, I am born again. Amen. Thank you so much. If you have prayed the prayer to receive Jesus Christ into your life, I want to congratulate you. This is the most important decision you could ever make. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Thank you. God loves you so much. I'll encourage you to get a Bible if you can as soon as possible. Download it on your phone or whatever device you use. Start reading the Gospel of John. It only has 21 chapters. So in three weeks, if you read the Gospel of John, a chapter a day for three weeks, you'd finish it. Then as soon as you've done, you can read the book of Acts, which again has 28 chapters. So in four weeks after that, you can be able to finish it. Start reading the word. Start praying. Prayer is talking to God. Just pray. Talk to God. In a, it's not a religious thing. Just talk to God. Like as you talk to a friend. Of course, finishing with the name of Jesus. I also encourage you to join a good Bible-believing church near you. If you have any questions, you can go to my page uh, on YouTube and you can send me an email. You'll find my, my details. I'll be able to answer and to be of help if you need any resources. God bless you. Thank you for listening in. Amen.